1: Hey, guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Mandy. How are you? I'm great. I feel like I unintentionally made my voice a little softer and quieter. I don't know why. It must be the gloomy weather outside. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, I – yeah, I'm not feeling so excited this morning, Um When I ask you how you're doing, I'm kind of like, I know the answer. We're just literally waiting out Hurricane Ian right now.
1: So we're recording before it hits. It's coming right now.
0: So there'll be a nice little edit there because I just got an emergency evacuation for people in the area. It doesn't apply to us, (laughs) but that's just kind of what's going on here. And we're thinking of those people, especially those people near the coast. And I know this will be out by the time it comes you know it'll be over by then but i hope everyone's safe it's it's super scary to like see this morning that it's possible to come in as a 5 and
1: it is scary just, yeah. that that part is really scary i texted you early this morning and i was like hang on like what is going on i saw the reports that there had been major changes overnight with the storm yeah. and those are always the ones i feel like that make me the most nervous because it just feels really unpredictable and we don't know what we're getting. You know, we know what we've been told to prepare for, but now things are changing and it's kind mm-hmm. of like at the last minute. And so, yeah, I definitely hope everybody is staying safe and stayed safe through the storm. We're trying to get this episode recorded just in case we one of us happens to lose power. So here we are. We're going to jump right into the story this week. Um, as I said, we're trying to kind of beat the rain and the thunderstorms.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're trying to beat the electricity for sure. I yes. feel like we have a very limited amount of time. So, yes. Mandy, without further ado...
1: All right. So Paul Jandro was 42 years old in 2002, and he was at a stage in his life where staying fit and living a healthy lifestyle were really becoming more of a priority for him. He was attending a kickboxing class and just generally taking an interest in becoming more physically fit. Paul was a highly ranked service member serving as a command master chief with the United States Navy, and he'd always been an incredibly hardworking and successful man. But Paul was also really well-liked. He was very outgoing and charismatic. After serving in the Navy, Paul settled in Moycock, North Carolina, which is located in the farthest northeast part of the state, bordering Virginia. The area where Paul lived was really nice and very quiet in terms of crime. Paul actually bought the land where his house was built before the area even started being developed, and he oversaw the construction of his own home. And being able to have this level of involvement in his home build really meant a lot to Paul. He put everything into it. He really loved his home. And once it was built and he was moved in, he loved keeping up with the lawn maintenance. And his yard was always in immaculate condition, as well as really everything else in the house. His home had a huge garage where he kept his cars. One of them was a prized Dodge Challenger. And he also had a really nice truck. He was known to keep both of these cars in impeccable condition, just like he kept his home. They were always clean and always waxed. Paul had unfortunately been unlucky in relationships and had been married multiple times and had two daughters who were both adults at the time of the story. But in 2002, while Paul was at a kickboxing class, he met a 30-year-old woman named Letitia Askew, and she really sparked his interest. Right off the bat, Paul was impressed with Letitia's level of fitness, She was very athletic and strong, and little did Paul know at the time, she was a very dedicated bodybuilder. Instead of asking her out on a date, Paul just suggested that maybe they could be workout partners. And this tactic actually worked, and soon Paul and Letitia were well on their way to getting to know each other. Paul started helping Letitia with whatever she needed for her bodybuilding competitions, and he was attending them with her for support. And as somebody who does these competitions, you need a lot of support and things. Yeah, so this is a I'm very sure. nice thing for Paul to help her with. Paul was really impressed by Letitia and what everything that she was doing with these competitions, and he would brag about her to his friends all the time. Letitia took competing very seriously, and she won many of the shows that she competed in. Her entire life revolved around fitness, and she was obsessed with being as muscular as possible. Letitia had grown up in North Carolina with a modest upbringing, but when she first met Paul, she was living a different life. She was working in the HR department at a children's hospital and actively seeking out a more affluent lifestyle than really the one that she had grown up with.
0: Many people were pretty surprised by Paul's relationship with Letitia. They were the total opposites. Paul was outgoing and charismatic, while Letitia was a lot more shy and introverted. But Letitia was nice and polite, and Paul was happy, so his friends accepted her as well. A few months into dating, Paul invited Letitia to move into his home with him, and a year after the couple first started dating, they married on June 28, 2003. Their relationship seemed to be very caring and attentive, and they were always holding hands and just looking out for one another. In 2006, the couple had been struggling to start a family, and they were undergoing rounds of IVF in hopes of finally being able to conceive a child together. Letitia was able to get pregnant, and the couple were overjoyed to learn that she was carrying twin girls. But this pregnancy was considered high risk, and Letitia was ordered to stay on bed rest. Unfortunately, at 21 weeks into the pregnancy, Letitia lost both of the babies. She and Paul were devastated. But after a while, Letitia wanted to try again. Paul, on the other hand, felt like he really couldn't go through that kind of heartache again. In 2007, after serving in the Navy for 31 years, Paul finally retired and took a job as a safety auditor with BAE Systems. At this job, Paul became very close with his coworkers. As we said before, he's very friendly and likable, and his co-workers described him as just being this wonderful guy who really cared about his friends. And just to give an example of the type of person Paul was, one of his friends named Dennis Carter said that Paul once let him borrow his car. And later on, when Dennis and his wife had their first baby, Paul was the first one to come visit them. Paul became sort of like a father figure to Dennis. Another one of Paul's co-workers said that he was the most prompt individual he'd ever met and said that if Paul was on time, he was late. Paul followed a strict routine every weekday. He was always an early riser, and he was the first one at his local 7-Eleven when they opened at 4.30 every morning. He went in every morning just to buy his friend Dennis a cup of coffee. Then he would go by Starbucks to get himself a cappuccino before picking Dennis up and heading into work. Paul's ritual of showing up at 7-Eleven so early every day actually earned him the nickname Doorbuster Paul. Yeah, that's quite a nickname, like for... I have places that know me, like the McDonald's guy knows me because I get Diet Coke at about the same time day. You're Diet day. Coke, Melissa. <laughs> Diet Coke. I'm sure that's exactly what they call me when I leave there. But I hate whenever he, when he sees me and he'll be like, oh, hey, you getting two Diet Cokes today? I'm like, no judgment, sir. This oh my should be a judgment-free zone. Please. <laughs> But by this time, Letitia's back into bodybuilding and working at a private military company called Blackwater, where she scheduled flights for employees. Like Paul, Letitia was known for being a responsible, hard worker who took her job seriously.
1: But on the morning of June 30th, 2010, an alarming change in Paul's usual behaviors raised concern that something was wrong. On that morning, when the 7-Eleven opened up at 4.30, Paul was not there. He never showed up at Starbucks, he didn't pick up Dennis for work, and he didn't show up for work himself that day. When Paul, who never missed a commitment and, as we said, was either on time or something was very wrong, he was never late, when he failed to answer his phone, his coworkers immediately knew that something really, really was wrong. Even more alarming was the fact that Paul was supposed to give a presentation to some high-ranking Navy officials that day, and this was something he'd been preparing for for a really long time. So to not show up for this and to not right. call anyone would just be unthinkable. Two of Paul's coworkers were actually so concerned that they took vacation time so they could be away from work and drive to Paul's house and go look for him themselves. When they got there, they found that Paul's truck was in the driveway, but nobody answered the door when they banged on it. Inside the garage, the co-workers could see that Paul's vehicles were both there, so they called the police to come and do a welfare check. Officers arrived at Paul's home at about 7.45 that morning. They also tried knocking on the door and also got no response, so they went around looking through the windows to see if they could see any movement inside the house, and there wasn't. The police then tried to call the home phone number, but nobody answered, so they called Letitia's work number. Letitia ended up returning home at about 8.30, and she told the officers that she didn't know where Paul was, but she did tell them that they had an open marriage and Paul was seeing somebody else, so she suggested that it was possible Paul was with that other woman. She showed the officers a dating profile belonging to Paul and explained that they had actually been sleeping in separate rooms for years due to Paul's sleep apnea and using his CPAP machine, which she said was too loud. Since Paul got up so early for work every morning and he was always gone before Letitia woke up anyways, they had decided that they would just have separate bedrooms. So Letitia allowed the police to do a really cursory look around the house and that really didn't show anything suspicious. But she showed them to Paul's bedroom, and she made a point to mention that his CPAP machine was actually not there. And that meant Paul had taken it with him because he must have planned on being gone for the entire night. And we have more to get into with this story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors.
0: house is older and it's one of those homes with like three hallways for honestly no reason at all and since we moved in almost five years ago i haven't really known what to do with all this wall space but with canvasprints.com i'm now finally decorating these walls with the highest quality canvas prints at an affordable price canvasprints.com is honestly so easy to use you can create canvases from a number of sizes actually up to 60 by 60 and for one of my hallways i ended up buying some digital downloads from etsy that i wanted to have printed out It took me about two minutes to pull up canvasprints.com and I was actually able to see what they would look like on a wall thanks to their curated canvas sizes that are designed to be hung together.
1: The holidays are sneaking up on us, and now's a great time to get started on your shopping. With canvasprints.com, you can get truly personalized gifts for the people in your life and easy. And speaking of the holidays, maybe you want to make a baby's first Christmas ornament for a new mom in your life or a custom mouse pad of a special memory for your parents. CanvasPrints.com uses artist-quality prints and products for an exceptional value. Their products are made in America and use the highest-quality custom canvas prints at the lowest prices.
0: Right now, CanvasPrints.com has a special offer just for our listeners. Go to CanvasPrints.com and use code MOMS25 to get 25% off your entire order of canvas prints, canvas wall displays, metal prints, photo tiles, photo blankets and pillows, and much more. Why not start and finish your holiday shopping early with this amazing offer? That's canvasprints.com and use code MOMS25 for 25% off your entire order. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. At the time of recording this ad, we are gearing up for a hurricane. And while I'm incredibly anxious by nature, storms always amp up the anxiety because so much of it is out of my control. But one thing I've learned is to channel that anxiousness into problem-solving behaviors. And that's something I've learned through therapy and with BetterHelp. Rather than going full chicken little and literally thinking the sky is falling, I'm able to channel my anxiety through coping skills like writing lists and making plans. It's an amazing benefit of my time with my BetterHelp therapist.
1: If you've never tried therapy, BetterHelp is a great option. Not only is it entirely online, but it's convenient, accessible, and affordable. And you get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. And if you find that you like your therapist, but maybe they just aren't a perfect match, that's no problem. You can switch therapists at any time.
0: For me, my appointments with my therapist are really invaluable. There are weeks I just have a lot on my chest that I need an unbiased person to just hear me rant about. Or when I'm feeling particularly anxious, I'm able to get out my thoughts and work through them in a constructive way. For me, therapy's really been a game changer. And if you're someone who deals with anxiety or depression, it can be for you as well.
1: When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com moms today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com moms. Now back to the episode.
0: So before the break, we were talking about Letitia and Paul, and Paul has not shown up to this very important thing at his job, and his coworkers are nervous. They've called the police, and the police have now gone to the house and spoken to Letitia, who informs them that the couple have an open marriage. Paul has a CPAP machine. It's missing, so she's saying there's no way he— was here and just is missing. He went somewhere. He took his CPAP machine somewhere. Later that afternoon, Paul's coworkers returned to the house where they found Leticia alone. She told them the same thing she told the police, that she had no idea where Paul was. At some point that afternoon, a police officer stopped back by the house to see if Paul had turned up at home yet. His truck was found in the driveway, but no one answered the door. This officer, who had been to the house earlier, noticed that now the windows in the garage and the house were covered with blue tarp, tinfoil, or frosted glass spray, something that definitely wasn't there when they were there before. Even with these efforts to cover the windows, for reasons still unknown, officers could still see inside the garage that there was a mop and a bottle of bleach. The next day, July 1st, Paul's co-workers went back to his house again to see if he was there. This time, they saw Letitia and her brother moving furniture into the back of Paul's truck, which was backed up to the house. When they asked her where Paul was, she said she still didn't know. After two days, the coworkers found it super weird and suspicious that Letitia still allegedly hadn't heard from Paul, so they called the police again, and they decided to stake out Letitia's house. Other coworkers of Paul passed out missing persons flyers. Later that day, two officers went back to the house to check out what was going on with Leticia moving this furniture around with Paul's truck, while still claiming to not know where he was. They got there about 11.30 and saw the truck backed up to the front door with furniture in the back. When they spoke to Leticia, she told them she was getting new furniture and she needed to take the old furniture to a storage unit, which is wild to think like, I get that furniture would be coming, but if your spouse is missing, you're right. just like, that's that's all that's going on for you, right? Nothing right. else in your life is happening. During this conversation with police, Letitia seemed frustrated and annoyed that they were there. She kept rubbing her head and neck and just wouldn't look the officers in the eye. Letitia told the officers that Paul was a very well-liked guy who had no real enemies. But then she suddenly recalled an incident that happened just a couple weeks earlier. She said someone came into their garage and keyed Paul's beloved Dodge Charger. The officers were really suspicious of Letitia's whole story, and they told her she needed to move the furniture back into the house until further notice. They just thought it was really that suspicious that she's moving all this furniture, like we said, while her husband is missing. And believe it or not, Letitia ended up defying their orders and moving the furniture into storage anyway. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later.
1: So later on that same day, detectives learned that Paul's cell phone was pinging off a tower in the Elizabeth City area. So they went there to canvass the local restaurants and hotels. Keep in mind, at this point, they're just really working with the information that was given to them by Letitia. And of course, she suggested that Paul could be somewhere with his other girlfriend. They did find one hotel employee that thought Paul had been there the night before, The man that she recalled was acting strangely that night, and they said they saw Paul again the next morning. But when investigators reviewed the records and the surveillance tapes at this hotel, they didn't see Paul, so they chalked it up to just a case of mistaken identity. A little while later, investigators received a call that a construction worker had found Paul's cell phone on the pavement at an elementary school in Elizabeth City. The phone was turned over to investigators who noticed that it was completely undamaged. At this point, Paul hadn't made any calls or texts since before he was reported missing. He also had not used his bank accounts or his credit cards. They were able to contact his girlfriend who said that she also had not heard from him and they didn't have any plans to go out together. It wasn't until officers started talking with neighbors and co-workers that they realized that Paul's relationship with Letitia was maybe not quite as amicable as she was making it out to be. According to their neighbors, the couple was actually like two ships passing in the night. When one of them would arrive home, the other one would leave shortly thereafter. Nobody reported hearing any arguing or seeing anything really disturbing, and the police had never been called to their home or anything like that. The only real issue had been that somebody had recently keyed Paul's car, and this was, as we said, about two weeks before he went missing. It was further discovered that Paul and Letitia had both been telling others that they were actually getting divorced. Paul had even seen an attorney to get the process started. He told his brother Mike that he'd been considering a divorce after he learned that Letitia was having an affair and he had plenty of evidence to prove it. Paul also told Mike that he just needed to get Letitia out of his house so that he could get his life back. And we've
0: talked a lot about affairs on Moms and Murder. But this next part is, I've never heard anything like it. Wild. So the details of this alleged affair are interesting, to say the least. In June of 2008, a man that we're going to call Tim filed a civil lawsuit against Letitia, also naming Paul in the lawsuit. Tim said that he was the victim of conspiracy fraud, intentional infliction of emotional distress, libelous letters, malicious prosecution, and theft. And that's quite a civil lawsuit. So what exactly happened? Well, evidently, according to Tim's claim, he had met Letitia in 2005 and began a romantic relationship with her. So this would be about two years into their marriage. They met on an adult website for people seeking to meet others. Letitia claimed on this site that she was single at the time and she had her last name listed as her maiden name, not Paul's last name. Letitia told Tim she wanted to have a baby with him and the couple began the process of trying to conceive a child through IVF. Tim put $7,000 directly into Letitia's bank account and provided her with his sperm. This was actually a year before Letitia got pregnant with Paul's twins through IVF. But according to Tim, he soon learned that Letitia was running an elaborate ruse and that her claim to want IVF was just a ploy to get Tim to give her money. That is quite (laughs) a ploy. And think of how serious they have to be in this relationship to want to have a baby together and to go through this entire
1: process. There's so many layers there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: People really struggle to go through this. And just for her to do this is just it's awful. So Paul finds out that his wife has taken $7,000 and a sperm donation from Tim, and he is in complete disbelief and shock. After the pretrial depositions in this case, Paul tells Letitia he wants a divorce and he wants her to move out of his house. But she didn't move out. Now let's go back to the investigation into Paul's disappearance. On July 2nd, police go back to the house at about 5.30 p.m. for a pre-arranged meeting with Letitia. And the plan at this point was for her to give them Paul's laptop to look through. When officers arrived, no one answered the door. But there was a note that indicated that Letitia had gone for a walk in a nearby neighborhood. The note said that she could be reached on her phone. Officers tried calling and even searched around the area she said she was at, but they couldn't find her. While they're out looking for Letitia, a 911 dispatcher contacted the officers and tells them that Letitia had just called 911. And she called them to say, hey, why are there officers at my house? Which is a very wild thing to call 911 yeah. about if you had a planned meeting with them right. at that time. She alleged that she's out of town in Chesapeake, Virginia, and she wouldn't be home until the next day.
1: Which is also weird if you have a prearranged meeting with the police
0: and you put a sign on your door that said, I'm walking one neighborhood <laughs> over. This is a lot of like, like you where are you? Yeah. Pick a story and stay with it. So this is actually a pretty funny blunder on Letitia's part because the 911 operator is able to trace the call and determine that she was calling from inside the house. Of course. The (laughs) call is literally coming from inside the house. A neighbor also told detectives that they were sure that Letitia was home. And so at this point, officers feel like they have enough information to apply for a warrant to search the house. And the warrant was soon issued for that search. On July 3rd, just shortly after midnight, officers showed up to execute the warrant. Once again, no one answered when they knocked on the door, so the officers chose to try and get inside through the garage, but there was a pile of garbage shoved behind the door. Officers worked to get inside, and once they did, they recognized the unmistakable odor of decomposition. The officers assumed that what they were smelling was Paul's body somewhere in the area, but first they had to clear the house to find Letitia, course they have no idea whether she's armed or not or if she's even there although they feel pretty confident that she's in there (laughs) and while they're doing the sweep of the house they end up finding Leticia hiding in the back of a closet covered by blankets and clothes they said she was almost in the fetal position according to investigation discovery once she was found by police she did everything she was told to do she even seemed defeated and kind of resigned to her fate
1: Letitia didn't make any eye contact with the officers as they asked her questions about what was going on. She buried her face and cried, and she told them that she was afraid. She said she didn't know what happened to Paul and that she was tired of being bothered by the police, which, okay, your spouse is missing. Again, nobody reasonable would say I'm just so tired of you guys bothering me right now. Like, that's what
0: in the world. Even if you have to pretend at that point, it makes no sense to be like, you guys are really, like, messing with me trying to move this furniture out. Like, your husband's missing. Even if you guys are having problems, like, if they're looking at you and talking to you, you might want to get off this list that they're looking at you. You know what I mean? So, like, let me see. How can I help you?
1: Right. So, while some of the investigators tried to talk with Letitia, others continued a more thorough search of the house. During this search, officers found a large 50-gallon tote under a pile of trash in the garage. Inside the tote was Paul's body, wrapped in several layers of plastic with cat litter in between each layer, and all these layers were taped together. An autopsy revealed that Paul had been shot five times, in the chest, the abdomen, the thigh, the hand, and the neck. The wound to his neck appeared to have been inflicted at very close range. It was also learned that Paul suffered about a dozen lacerations to his head, and those were consistent with being struck by a blunt object, such as the pistol itself. As the officers continued searching the house, they found that the floors in Paul's bedroom appeared to have been recently scrubbed, and there were bloodstains on a rug that was glued down to the floor. Officers ripped up this rug, and underneath they saw a bullet skid mark. They also found a bullet hole behind a dresser, one in the bedroom door, and some in the walls that had actually been filled with caulk. There was also blood spatter on Paul's bed frame. In other areas of the house, there were strips of carpet that had been cut from the floor, which, okay, we've heard of this before too, and like, I can't think of anything more suspicious than a random piece of rug being cut out of the carpet. No, like, no, there's no logical explanation for why you would just have patches of carpet cut out. So uh, there was also rugs and furniture that had been wrapped up as if they were getting ready to be moved, which as we said, she was moving things. And there were numerous supplies, including plastic wrap, foil, duct tape, paint, caulking, paint brushes, and frosted glass spray that were found in the kitchen, along with various cleaning supplies. Officers searched Letitia's car and found a small black bag in the rear passenger seat that had a 45 caliber handgun inside of it. The magazine in the gun was empty, and they found two other magazines in the bag that still had live rounds in them. Inside Paul's truck, they found a receipt from Lowe's that was dated for July 1st, and it was for the purchase of a large tote. Later on, the storage unit that Letitia rented and she was moving furniture into was also searched. Inside of that storage unit, they found a bench that used to be at the foot of Paul's bed, and it was wrapped in plastic and was found to have Paul's blood on it. So at this point, officers, you know, told Letitia they had found Paul's body, and she really seemed genuinely surprised and said that she wasn't the one who put him there. Then she told a different story. Letitia said that before Paul disappeared, she actually did go to downtown Elizabeth City and told a few random men that her spouse, Paul, was mistreating her. And she claimed that she gave these random men the address to her and Paul's home and told them the key code to the door. Okay, wanting your spouse dead aside, why would anyone do this? This doesn't make any sense. Why you would just give random men your address where you live and the key code to your door?
0: No, it's the least thought out, made up story I've ever heard. It almost sounds more like a Mad Libs than anything else. It's like all these crazy things at one time that that is just wild.
1: Right. So, of course, the suggestion here is that maybe one of these random men actually came to their house and killed Paul. But as we said, officers obviously did not believe this at all whatsoever, Then about 12 to 14 hours later, Letitia said that she wanted to speak to the investigators again, and this time she had another different story. She said that in the early hours of June 30th, Paul came into her room with a rifle and told her that if she didn't get out in the next five minutes, he was going to kill her. Paul then allegedly went back to his bedroom and Letitia grabbed the 45 caliber handgun and ran down the hallway. She said that when she got near Paul's bedroom door, she saw a shadow and she shot at it and then she walked further into Paul's room and shot in the direction that she thought he was. She said Paul backed away and dropped his gun and then walked forwards and jumped at her and ended up falling on top of her. Leticia said that she just kept shooting at Paul and hitting him in the head with the gun. After a few seconds, she was able to crawl out from under him and she realized then that he was dead. So she panicked and cleaned up the scene and pretended not to know what happened to him. Officers asked Letitia where she got the gun from, and she said, this is what she said, she stole it from another guy that she had been on a few dates with, a retired Air Force general, and we're going to call him John for the rest of this episode. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about John and the rest of the story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. (laughs) I love fairity in the fall. I love fairity anytime, but now that it is fall, you will have a hard time not finding me in my fairity favorites. If you're looking for a brand that believes that both comfort and quality are key, look no further than fairity. I am a huge sweater person.
0: It's really basically a part of my personality. And I don't know about you, but the sweaters I love and really live in are comfy but they can be a little fugly. But Faraday has quality sweaters and sweatshirts that are comfy and cute, like the Whitewater Crew sweatshirt that I'm currently obsessed with. It's a total upgrade from the normal sweatshirts I wear, and that's because it's a new twist on an old classic. The sweatshirt is made of a super soft and wonderfully textured French terry in a crew cut, which is totally my jam. The texture gives it a little bit more pizzazz, so I can dress it down with a
1: pair of joggers or pair it with some booties and jeans for a night out. Faraday's clothes are meant to last a lifetime and they mean it. If anything happens to your favorites along the way, Faraday will either replace or fix your clothes for life no matter what.
0: Right now, Fairty is giving all moms and murder listeners 15% off every order. You heard me, you get 15% off your order. Head to Fardybrand.com slash moms and murder and use code moms and murder at checkout to get this deal. That's code moms and murder at Fairdy F A H E R T Y Brand.com slash moms and murder for 15% off. Faertybrand.com slash moms and murder. With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions, even easier than deciding to listen to
1: another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com bank. Capital One N-A, member FDIC. It's been a while since I've had a baby of my
0: own, and some days I miss it so much. The baby cuddles and baby smiles, but when it comes to diaper rashes not so much. I remember the first time my oldest had a diaper rash. I was really devastated. Here's this tiny thing, totally dependent on me. And now she's fussy and obviously uncomfortable. And I'm supposed to have the answers, Well, with time and treatment, it went away. But what I really wanted was to avoid it altogether. And now baby butts rejoice. New Huggies Skin Essentials are here, a brand-new dermatologist-approved line of diapers, wipes, and pull-ups training pants, all
1: designed with baby's sensitive skin in mind. The wipes are thick and have zero harsh ingredients for a great, gentle clean. pull up Skin Essentials has got your big kid covered, too, with a training pant that's ultra-soft and breathable to help protect sensitive skin throughout potty training. Whether you're a first-time parent or a seasoned pro, make it easy on yourself and your baby with Huggies. Learn more at Huggies.com. Once again, head to Huggies.com to learn more.
0: Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing Dash Pass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable, way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials for your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience.
1: Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply.
0: And now back to the episode. So before the break, the officers are talking to Letitia, and she is now trying to say that she killed Paul in some sort of accident slash he was going to kill her and now she has to kill him Oh, by the way, the gun I used to kill him was something I took from a current boyfriend, maybe? I stole it from him. So that's where we are. So officers are still skeptical of her entire story and didn't believe that self-defense had anything to do with why Paul was shot. Leticia was charged with first-degree murder and larceny of a firearm. Paul's brother Mike said he credits Paul's co-workers with helping in this case. He said, quote, Paul was a stand-up guy with a very close group of friends. I don't think the sheriff's department would have gotten to her so quickly without his friends. They stood vigilantly at his home and never gave her the chance to dispose of the body, end quote. Which is incredible. Like, they could have said, well, the police have it. They, you know, it's probably nothing, whatever. But they were like, absolutely not. Something's wrong here. After the murder, the man Letitia scammed way back in 2005, named Tim, filed a sworn statement seeking the suspension or dismissal of the DA in his case. He claimed that in 2006, he reported that Letitia broke into his house and stole antique toys, but that no investigation was conducted and no charges were ever filed. He said that photos of the toys were sent to him from a computer that was later traced back to Letitia. He said he shared all of this information with the DA, but they did nothing. Tim also said he got Letitia to admit the scheme where she had him give her money and a sperm donation. He turned over a transcript of her confession to the DA, who promised to turn it over to a grand jury, but they never did. In this statement, Tim suggested that Paul might still be alive if the DA's office had investigated those allegations back then. In January of 2011, a judge ordered Letitia to pay Tim just under $126,000 for the lawsuit he originally filed against her and Paul. We aren't sure if Paul ever knew that Letitia had been in trouble with the law, actually several times before they got together. In December of 1988, she was convicted of committing a breaking and entering, receiving stolen goods, damage to property, and larceny. She was 16 years old at the time and received a maximum sentence of two years. In March of 1993, Letitia was charged with injury to personal property, and then she was charged with the same thing in April. In 1995, she was charged with embezzlement. That charge was later dropped.
1: Letitia went to trial on September 24, 2012. Prosecutors told the jury that she killed Paul because she didn't want to lose the affluent lifestyle he provided her with. Evidence revealed that Letitia had not grown up with much, and it's believed that she became addicted to a nicer lifestyle as an adult. The prosecution said that on the morning of June 30th, Letitia ambushed Paul after he was finished getting ready for work. They said that just as he was about to open his bedroom door, she shot through it, and as he retreated back into the room, Letitia swung the door open and continued firing shots at him. A struggle ensued, and Letitia eventually overpowered Paul, striking him in the head numerous times with the gun. Investigators said Letitia folded Paul's body up and put it inside of a small tote, and then she put that in a closet under a stack of clothes. When the officers came to check things out on June 30th, they didn't notice anything strange because Paul's body was not yet at the stage of decomposition where it would have a smell. On July 1st, Letitia went to Lowe's and bought a bigger tote that would fit Paul's body, and that's the one they found the receipt for inside Paul's truck. She put him inside of it and then dragged the large tote down the stairs and into the garage. Her strength as a bodybuilder likely made this task a lot easier for her than it would be for some people. I know some people are probably like, how did this woman get a full grown man into this tote and then get that down the stairs and, you know, into the garage and moving it around. But they were saying that she was stronger than, I guess, the average person. So probably wasn't that difficult for her. Letitia's defense was that she shot Paul in self-defense. They pointed out that the way the bullet holes were scattered in the room indicated that there was a struggle. Letitia took the stand and testified that she and Paul had once attempted to start a family together, but they weren't successful, and that's really what began to drive them apart. In January 2010, Letitia said they agreed to continue living together, but they would lead their own separate lives, and from that point on, they rarely really saw each other and they only communicated through texting. Letitia said that Paul was always angry with her, and that in early June, he told her he wanted her out of his house by the end of that month. Letitia dug in her heels and told Paul she wasn't going anywhere, and things just became very hostile between them. According to Letitia, Paul would kick her door every morning and tell her he wanted her out of the house. Things really continued to escalate, and on June 20th, they got even worse. It was on that day that someone keyed Paul's car, and he immediately accused Letitia of being the one to do it. Paul reported the vandalism to the police, and after he talked to the police, Letitia claimed that Paul came back inside and said that he wanted to, quote, put a bullet in her head. Letitia said that she was terrified, so she went to get a gun that she thought they had in a toolbox in the garage, but then when she realized the gun wasn't there anymore, she drove over to this guy John's house and stole his 45 caliber handgun and kept it with her at all times. I don't know why I'm so, like, blown away by this whole, like, stealing this guy's gun
0: It's just one more thing to add to this. I don't I don't get it.
1: I don't either. So Letitia said that she knocked on Paul's door on June 29th at about four o'clock in the afternoon to let him know that she was going to be moving out and that she would be gone by the end of the month. But when Paul opened his door, she said he was already screaming and getting in her face and just telling her that he wanted her out. Letitia claimed that she left the house and didn't come back until about 11 o'clock that night, and when she got home, all the lights were off, so she just went straight to her bedroom and got ready for work, and fell asleep at about 3 o'clock in the morning.
0: As Letitia continued her testimony, she talked about how she was awakened at about 4 or 4.30 that morning by Paul coming into her room and yelling about wanting her to leave again. This time, she said, Paul dragged her by the feet down the hallway before he finally let her go and he went back to his room. Letitia said she also went back to bed at this point. However, according to her testimony, Paul then returned to her bedroom with a long gun and said he would kill her if she didn't get out in five minutes, and then he again returned to his room. She claimed at this point she's terrified for her life, so she jumps up and gets the 45 she had stolen, and things spiraled from there, ending with the scenario we described earlier where she shot him several times, beat him over the head, and had to crawl out from under his body after he was dead. She said as soon as she got up and saw all the blood, she started cleaning. When Letitia was asked to describe what the days after the murder were like for her, she said her mind was blank during that time and she really had a hard time focusing. She said she didn't even remember the detectives coming to her house in those early days. When she was cross-examined, Letitia admitted to lying to the police and to Paul's co-workers when she said she didn't know where he was. She said she did remember cleaning up after the shooting and she did remember renting a storage unit and purchasing a large tote for Paul's body. And she also acknowledged that she did dump Paul's phone in Elizabeth City. On September 28th, after deliberating for less than two hours, the jury found Letitia guilty of first-degree murder and larceny of a firearm. According to the Daily Advance, Letitia showed no emotion after the verdict was announced. Letitia was then sentenced to serve six to eight months for larceny in life without parole for murder. The Court of Appeals later affirmed her convictions and sentences. Letitia is currently incarcerated in Anson Correctional Institution in Polkton, North Carolina.
1: This was a very poorly thought out crime. <laughs> Honestly, like,
0: obviously, if you commit murder, we want you caught. You need to be in for prison. Sure. But this seemed like it doesn't seem random, right? Because she did steal this gun. Right. So there was some premeditation to it. But from there, starting there, none of it made sense. Absolutely none of it. The only thing she kind of thought out was trying to get his body out of there. But like, even that was poorly done. So thank goodness he had his friends and other people looking into things, you know, right. checking on him. But man, like, that yeah, was, a I lot. don't know. Yeah.
1: Her story was all over the place. That was,
0: yeah, to call kind of the police from inside your yeah. home and tell Ask them that you're another. there another Yeah, so,
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's just wild. Definitely. All right, Melissa, well, we are going to move on, turn the page, go and do our last thing before we go for the week, and uh, last thing before we go, panic. That's <laughs> basically what it is this week. Basically, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: doing our best. Um, okay. So, somebody said something on one of our pages about like lyrics to songs. And so I was like, all right, let's just do fill in the bl- blank lyrics. We've done something like this before. So, we we're just going to, we have three songs a piece, I think. I'm going to give part of the lyrics and then you, you fill in the blank. I think you'll know my first one. Okay. Um, after that, I'm not sure. So, Mandy, here is my first lyric. Mandy. I'm so 3008, you're so 2000 and late. <laughs> Good job. And that was Black Eyed Peas, Boom Boom Pow. That's just a fun one. I love that one.
1: Perfect. Go ahead. Okay. Mine is, the moon went hiding, stars quit shining, rain was dropping, thunder and lightning. You wrecked my whole world when you came and hit me like a blank.
0: Wrecking ball. <laughs> no, No. <not laughs> ball. I don't actually know that song hurricane (laughs) Oh, Mandy I didn't know it was going to be so on the nose
1: Luke Combs yeah (laughs)
0: okay yikes Um, okay I'm going to go to my next one wonder this time where she's gone wonder if she's going to stay ain't no sunshine when she's gone and this house just ain't no home anytime she goes away
1: and (laughs) I know I know I know keep going I know I know I know I know I'm I know. counting them keep going <laughs> I know I don't know how many there is
0: you're at 12 and there's 26 oh no <laughs> we're not gonna do them all <laughs> there you go that's oh. Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers and their shirt sure
1: is not <laughs> I, yeah wow accidentally Perfect. on theme again okay there you go all right next one is sound of the drums beating in my heart the thunder of guns tore me apart you've been blank okay will you say it one more time sound of the drums beating in my heart the thunder of guns tore me apart you've been blank a bad bad girl i don't know (laughs)
0: thunderstruck Okay, way to go on theme. I, mine is all over the place, Mandy. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family. Spare him his life from this monstrosity. Blank. We're easy come, easy go. Will you let me go? Galileo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little higher up. Yeah. This Mila, no, we will not let you go. Whatever.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, okay, so that's obviously Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen. All right, last and final one. Okay. Don't know why there's no sun up in the sky. Blank, blank.
0: Is it Ain't No Sunshine? (laughs) No. Um, um, Okay, don't know why.
1: There's no sun up in the sky. Blank, blank. She's a wrecking ball. (laughs) 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 Stormy
0: weather. All right. Well, I suck. Um, good job, Mandy. Way to have not it. On only, I'm the one that sucks at these. So, I'm, how does that it feel? should tell how does it feel you? Feel to suck. <laughs> <laughs> not so bad. Um, that should tell you how like my brain is just totally fried. That I I can't I can't. So on that uh, storm is a coming, and we should go ahead and get our people prepared
1: a little bit more. We should. I don't know what it is that we're going to do to prepare more, but we should. <laughs> I think it's just going to be me walking around in circles being like don't turn the air off yeah don't open the refrigerator <laughs> speaking of which i had to turn my air off to record now i need to go turn it on and make sure yeah you do perfectly yeah, you cooled do. down <laughs> absolutely all right everybody we will be back next week same time same place new story have a great week bye thanks so much for
0: listening to the moms and murder podcast make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode